If you have your Bible, I would like you to what you might call a double miracle account. In other words, Jesus is headed to a location, interrupted, you might say, and gets to do another miracle. And it's kind of a unique uh, to do a miracle that he does another miracle. So uh, we're going to be in Luke chapter 8, and we're going to start in verse 40. This comes on the heels of Jesus casting out the demons. You remember, he, he, uh, he, he dealt with a man in uh, the area of the Gadarenes, uh, the, the Gadarene demoniac, a man by the name of uh, the, the Legion of Demons. That happened right after he had calmed the storm. You remember he had, he had been teaching. He said, let's go over to the other side that were perishing. Jesus calmed the storm, cast out the demons. And after he cast out the demons, the people, they ran him off out of that area. And Jesus returned back to where he was. And that's where we're going to pick up today. And this, it shows us that, that Jesus had authority over the natural realm. We saw that in the storm. Over the super, the casting out of the demons. But we also see here that he has authority over life and death itself. Not only does it show us nine, because they too will go out and start casting out demons and healing the sick. So if you word, if you're able, we're going to pick up in verse 40. And the main idea that I want you to get out of this uh, text, now this message, Jesus can do what no other person can do. Jesus can do what no other can do. So as Jesus returned, the people welcomed him, for they had all been waiting for him. And there came a man named Jairus, and he, and he was an official of the synagogue, and he fell at Jesus' feet. And began to implore him to come to his house. For he had an only daughter, about twelve years old, and she was dying. But as he went, the crowds were pressing against him. And a woman who had a hemorrhage for twelve years and could not be healed by anyone came up behind him and touched the fringe of his cloak, and immediately her hemorrhage stopped. And Jesus said, Who is the one who touched me? And that while they were all denying it, Peter said, Master, the people are crowding, are crowding and pressing in on you. But, but Jesus said, Someone did touch me, for I am aware that power had gone out of me. When the, woman no, when the woman saw that she had not escaped notice, she came trembling and fell down before him, and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him, and how she had been immediately healed. And he said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. While he was still speaking, someone came from the house of the synagogue official, saying, Your daughter has died. Do not trouble to teach her any more. But when Jesus heard this, he answered him, Do not be afraid any longer. Only believe, and she will be made well. When he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him, except Peter and John and James and the girl's father and mother. Now they were all weeping and lamenting for her. But he said, Stop weeping, for she has not died, but is asleep. And they began laughing at him, and no, knowing that she had died. He, however, took her by the hand and, and called, saying, Child, arise. And her spirit returned, and she got up immediately, and he gave orders for something to be given to her to eat. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them not to tell, but, but instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Thank you. you may be seated. Now, the first thing I want you to see is that Jesus brings healing. Jesus healing. Look in your Bible at verse 40 again. It says that the crowd, the people, welcomed him because they'd all been... And that's when he had calmed the storm and so forth. This crowd that, that is talking about, this being obedient to it. And then the Bible says that same day and went over to the other side of the lake. This is the same crowd that Jesus had just been the day before. Okay, this is the same crowd that had heard about the, the, the parable of the sower. And so they, they were excited about what they were hearing. They were, they were excited to see what Jesus was going to do. And they saw him leave. He, he went over to the other side. And so they were anxiously with him. And so... So they're, they're all waiting for, for Jesus to come back. And in the midst of this crowd, one of the nameless people that's out there is this woman who needs to get close to Jesus. Also in this crowd, 
is this, this synagogue official who is desperate to get to Jesus because of his daughter. Now, the Bible tells us that his name is uh, Jairus, and we don't know a lot about this man. Verse 41 says he was a synagogue official. Now, a synagogue official, what they did was they, you remember synagogue was kind of like we, we consider like in our, our, uh, our faith tradition, you might say, church. Okay, so this was like so what the synagogue official would do is he would, uh, he would take care of the synagogue. He would, he would have rabbis come in to teach. He would take care of the scrolls, the biblical scrolls with, with the text on it. And so this guy was part of the religion. How much he knew about Jesus, we don't know what interaction he had had with him in the past. He was respected in the community. And it's quite possible, the Bible says, that Jesus went many times into the synagogues and would teach and preach. And at some of these times, whenever Jesus had been teaching or had been doing these miraculous events. We, we don't know exactly what he knew about Jesus. We knew that, that he was desperate for somebody to help. And so he came to Jesus. And, and I, just, I just want you to imagine, I mean, this, this crowd is desperate. They're enthusiastic. They're wanting to be near Jesus. And, and maybe, you've, maybe you've been in a crowd like that or maybe you know, what happens. When, when they're out walking around, you think about you think about some of these award programs. They're they're leaning. You know they'll they'll have some kind of barrier. They're they're leaning way over to to try and be near just just to be close to that person. Well, they didn't have any of those barriers back then. They didn't have a red carpet, and so Jesus has come along, and people are just trying to be near him. They want to be near him near him to hear him. They want to be near him to maybe. I mean, uh, they just want to be close to Jesus, and you can imagine as Jesus is trying to make his way towards this man's house and people are swarming in, how much difficulty he would have trying to make his way through the crowd. And so, so all these people are, are coming to Jesus. And in fact, if you look at verse 42, it says the, the people were pressing against him, and it was almost suffocating. The, the people were just being so close to Jesus. Now, we read this, but sometimes we don't try to put ourselves in this place. You are... You are I mean, you are at your wit's end. You so want, you, because you love your child, you want Jesus to come to your house and bring healing to her. And he has agreed, and, and think about the joy that you would feel, but then think of your anxiety. Think of your anger as, and, and hindering and slowing down Jesus' progress towards your house. Not named in Scripture, according to verse 43, she had a hemorrhage of now this is this little bits i think kind of interesting what was luke, do you remember doctor yes so luke is very very careful to say this expect that from a doctor but if you read in mark's gospel mark tells the fact that we might also expect from a doctor who's reporting this incident that she had endured much at the hands of many physicians and it's been all that she had had and was not helped at all. Rather, had gotten, had grown worse. So, so Luke is careful to, to, to tell us she can't be cured by anybody, but he's also careful to not cast too much bad light on his profession. So anyway, this woman, we, we have an issue with menstruation, and it was, it was constantly going on for 12. Suffice it to say, this woman was in a bad way. Now again, besides all religiously, because in the Old Testament law, when a woman was menstruating, she was considered unclean for a time. And anyone or anything that she came into contact with was considered unclean for a time. And so if, if she were to come in contact with a person, they would be considered unclean for a time. And that would have that closer. They didn't want to come in contact with her. On top of that, religiously, 
because she was considered ceremonially unclean, she couldn't go to the temple. She couldn't go to the synagogue. Now, because of all the COVID stuff, uh, there, were, there were people who were out of church for a year, year and a half. There are still some churches that still haven't opened up. And I've, I've, I've listened to and, and I've talked to a lot of people and, and I've heard how, how depressing it was not to be able to go to the house of God. And, and then how, how refreshing it was to finally 12 years not being able to go to the temple, not being able to go to the synagogue, not being able to have physical contact with people. She was in a bad way. And she obviously knew about Jesus, and she believed that he could heal her because she just thought, if I, I don't even have to have him speak to me if I just touch his... So Jairus' world and this woman's worlds are about to collide because Jesus is going to help out this girl who coincidentally is the same for 12 years. So, so Jesus is going to help out this girl and this woman quote-unquote, interrupts. And so she comes up, she touches his clothing, and immediately is made well. Now, now it's interesting because the Bible says that Jesus knew that this power had gone out from him. And, and he perceived that. And, and he stopped and he said, who was it that touched me? He, wasn't ignorant. he was wanting to bring her forth to testify about what God had done. And, and she did that. Look at verse 47. And first it says that she was hoping to escape notice. And when she, she saw that she hadn't, she heard and trembling. Now, as I read that, and as I thought about it, I thought, why would she have... Because many times when these people had these, these miracles done, they went and they, they shouted from the rooftops. They, they went out, they were, you know, the, the lame man, he would be healed and he would be leaping. You, you know, his legs are going everywhere. That's, that's the way these, these lame men were. Or, or the blind man, or, or the mute. And they can, they can see and they can speak and, and they would shout and proclaim and, and talk about the great thing. Notice. And then when she doesn't escape notice, she approached Jesus with fear and trembling. Why? Okay. So what? Well, think about it. In her condition, anybody she touched, unclean, ceremonially unclean for a time. And it's possible that she was fearful that she had done that, that she would have made him unclean. But remember what we've seen in holy touches Jesus. He doesn't become unclean, it becomes holy. It may have been that she was scared of that and fearful, but second, she, she may have responded this way because she feared the people's reaction. Because she shouldn't have been out there with the crowd. Because all these people bump you and jostle you and, and are coming in contact with that, that, that she came in contact with would have been unclean. And so now tell how many people as she tried to, to, to work her way through the crowd and as people were anxiously bumped up against her and, and their arms brushed and all those things, they would have been unclean. So it's possible of that. Whatever the, 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 the reason, the, the point is, look at the contrast in verses 3 and 47. Verse 43, And a woman who had a hemorrhage for 12 years and could not be healed by anyone, uh, trembling and fell down before him and declared in the presence of all the people the reason why she had touched him and how she had been immediately healed. There's the contrast. She couldn't be healed by anybody, but she was healed. Jesus did what no person could do. He did something only he could do. And nurses and hospitals. I appreciate modern medicine. I'm glad that, you know, I've seen it seemed like kerosene used to be a big, a big fixer. You remember that in the, but they'd use or and they put all kinds of this. You look at it and you say, why on earth would people have done that? I'm glad that we live in a, in a day when we have the modern medicine that we, there's a limit to what doctors can do and medical professionals can do. 
And even when the doctors say the situation is hopeless, God can still heal. In fact, I'm going to say quite plainly, if any healing the doctors, because the doctors know that, that you, can, you can treat people with whatever medication it is, whatever treatment or therapy it is, each person responds a different way. And there are going to be, there are going to be cases when you do X and you expect Y to happen, but something totally, you know, it's not Y that happens, but, you know, two that happens. I mean, it's something really different. And then there are times when they say there's no hope and there's a miraculous recovery. There's, there's, there's treatments, and sometimes God works through those treatments, but sometimes he works miraculously. Either way, God's the one that brings it about. Jesus did what only Jesus can do. Just like then, today, only God can heal. But second, I want you to see that not only did Jesus bring healing, he also brought life. So Jesus is having this conversation with this woman, and while they're still talking, a messenger comes from this man's house and says, your daughter's died, don't bother the teacher anymore. In other words, what can Jesus do? It's hopeless. Just, just leave him be. He's got more important things to do. He can't do anything. Just, just leave him be. Now again, yourself in his place. Think of the heartbreak of, of being so close to having your daughter made well. And if it weren't for the crowd. Think of your dad as, I mean, we, we want to be pious here in church, but think. Because you'd probably be thinking, you had this problem for 12 years. My daughter's at death's door. You could have waited a little bit longer. I mean, Jesus, here's what's going on. And he says, just believe, and your daughter will be made well. Now, listen, it's one to bring healing to someone. It's something totally different to believe that God will resurrect somebody. And yet that's the kind of faith that Jesus is calling this man to, because this man knows his daughter is dead. Now, clearly, he does believe. That's okay, Jesus. I, I don't have that much faith. Thanks anyhow. Escorts Jesus to his house. Now again, before we, we skim over this, put yourself in his place. Of the, the anxiety and, and the frustration and the anger and, and the heartbreak and, and the joy that you'd had just before this. And all these things are, are, are going on in this man's heart and in his mind and in his life. He leads Jesus to his house. And Jesus gets there. Evidently, the crowd's going with him because he wouldn't let anybody come in. He tells the crowd, stay put. And he goes in, and what is the scene when Jesus goes into the house? You'll notice in your Bible it says that the, the house is full of people who are mourning and, and lamenting, and we would expect that. Matthew 9 tells us not only were people, was there a commotion going on, it also tells us that people were weeping and crying and wailing, but there are also flutists playing. He's like, What? Hard stop. Why were there flutists in the house? Well, what happened back then was when somebody would pass away, they saw it as a disgrace if there wasn't a big fuss made about it. And so they had actually what were called professional mourners. And so they would, in this case, there was music, sad music being played and, and so forth. And so Jesus, and there's, there's just a big commotion. And Jesus puts all these, he, he, he tells them, why are you weeping? 
She's not dead. She's simply sleeping. The laughing. Are you serious? Who, who do you think you are? We've been, we can tell. We know these things. It's obvious. And now the house. And, and, and I want you to understand, she was dead. I mean, verse 55 says that her spirit turned back to her. And, and that happened because it was no longer there. So you say, well, why did he say she was just sleeping then? Diagnosis, this is what's going to happen. Not a diagnosis, this is what is happening right now. See, to Jesus, death is not a difficulty. It's no more permanent than a nap. Jesus can call someone to life more easily than we can wake somebody up from a sleep. Now listen, if you've ever tried to wake my wife up, you knew I was going there. One time, and she's always been a sleeper. One time, and she, she goes, I go to her, and she goes to sleep. And I, can, I spend a lot of time with my in-laws, future in-laws. She didn't get up, but she got down. We got, I grabbed hold of her leg, and I yanked her right out of bed. And the woman still married me. Isn't that, isn't that great? Listen, Jesus can call people, and it's not a problem. Jesus, Jesus simply spoke, and the, the, the child... The, the people were laughing at him because they didn't understand the pattern that normally would have made him unclean. Called her to life, and she got up and was, was perfectly well. He, gave, he told them to give her something to eat. And, and as, as somebody has noted, she's a miracle, but she would not be sustained by one. Now, mom and dad, as you can imagine, are amazed. And I can see them as they, as they embrace each other their mouths hanging open in, in amazement and surprise and joy and, and, and hugging their little girl and going to Jesus and falling on, on his neck and hugging him and thanking him and, and just, you know, the tears streaming down their face. I can, I can see this. And then in the midst of that, look at verse 56. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. And again we say, put on the brakes. Why on earth? Would Jesus say that? And on top of that, are, are we, when we read this, do we honestly think Jesus is saying, now when you guys go out of the house, and all these people who are still weeping and mourning and sad, and they see this girl, and they say, hallelujah, praise God, she's alive, is he telling them to say, nope, she's not alive? Is that what he's saying? Of course not. He's telling them not to give the details of, of what he did in the room. You say, well, Pastor, that just kind of moves the ball back five yards because why? Why find out all that Jesus was doing, why would they be going to see him? Everybody likes a show. Everybody wants to see the fantastical. And we see it even today with these so-called faith healers. The televangelists, they want, to, they want to have some work done to them. It would have been much the same then. If people would have, maybe he'll do this for me. Maybe he'll do this miracle. Maybe he, and they wouldn't have been there to hear any teaching. They wouldn't have been there to be a disciple. Many of them probably would have turned their back on him because they weren't seeing all the, all of the message. So Jesus brought this girl to life because nothing is too hard and I want to tell you what Jesus did for this girl physically, he also does for people spiritually. 
Because the Bible says that, that, that we are all spiritually, we're dead in our trespasses and sin in our natural state. We can't respond to Him positively. We can't respond to Him obediently in our unregenerate natural state. Jesus, though, can speak life. And the pastor, I don't know if I, I don't know about all this. You know, he can't respond positively. Listen to the cannots in these verses. John 3, 3, Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. Jesus answered and said to him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Romans chapter 8, Because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness to him and them, because they are spiritually appraised. John 6, 44, Jesus says, No one can other who sent me draws him, and I'll raise him up on the last day. A few verses later in verse 65. And he was saying, For this reason I've said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted him from the Father. This girl was unable to raise her. Parents were unable to raise her to life. Their rabbi could not raise her to life. Likewise, we are spiritually dead. We can't make ourselves spiritually alive. Your preacher can't do it. Your parents can't do it. You can't do it. Nobody can do it except for Jesus. God alone brings spiritual life. He grants spiritual life to those, not because we deserve it, but because of His love and His mercy and His grace. It may be that even now the Spirit of God is convicting you of your sin. And you know heaven is to believe on Christ for salvation. Repent and believe the gospel. That's the gospel message. Or it could be that, that you're a believer and God is drawing you to some area of, of service. He's drawing you to, to maybe be obedient to that. Or maybe you... Maybe you have a, a personal need or, or a friend or a loved one who, who has a personal need. Maybe you, maybe you intervene. There's nothing he can do upon God because sometimes people say, well, if you just have enough faith, then God will do this, God will do that. God's obligated to, to do such and such. Just name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it. It's totally appropriate to pray for their healing, pray for their comfort, but also recognize that may not be God's will for His own purposes. And then it's perfectly appropriate to pray for His grace, for His comfort, as they deal with whatever it is. And I just want to give you an opportunity to respond as you need today, because even in a group this size, we all have so many different needs. So many people in our lives, personal needs, people that we work with, people in the family. And I just want to give you an opportunity to, to lift those things up to God in prayer. Once you stand with me as a musician comes. And as you stand, I ask you to bow your heads. Looking around, just in the quiet of this time, I just want to encourage you to respond to God in the way that you need. Maybe... Maybe you've prayed for a long time that God would remove, you know, Paul had a thorn in the flesh. He prayed three times that God would remove it, and God's answer was, my grace is sufficient. And maybe that's the answer that you've gotten. And maybe, maybe you're angry. 
Because there are people that they go out and live like the devil and, and things always seem to work out for them and you try to do right and you have physical problems, financial problems, family problems. Maybe you have a, a friend, a family member, a loved one who's dealing with, with pain, and suffering, grief, affliction of some sort. Lift that person up. Lift those people up. Or again, maybe God's calling you to something. Maybe He's calling you to salvation. Repent and believe. Heavenly Father, we thank you that in the midst of the difficulties we have in life, that you are sympathetic to us, that you know what we're going through, not only in an abstract way, but because Christ endured the things that we endure, therefore he is a sympathetic high priest. And God, we thank you that you rush to the aid of those who need your help. Thank you that you're near to the brokenhearted. Thank you that, that your grace is sufficient. Thank you that, that in the midst of our pain and our suffering, our difficulties, that you're the rock that we can run to. The rock that's bigger than, than us. And God, for that person who needs your touch, I pray for them. Pray that you would help them in all the ways that they need, that you would strengthen their faith and comfort them. God, for the person who's being called to some area of service, maybe. Lord, I pray that you would help them. Maybe, maybe they are, are, uh, are dealing with just various things. Maybe they need salvation, Lord. I pray that you would draw them to yourself and let them become your child today. Again, Lord, we thank you that we can come to you in prayer and that you hear us and answer. In Jesus' name.